Hi, folks. Welcome to the Unconventional Path, Entrepreneurship and Innovation Stories and Ideas. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Mike. Today's guest on the podcast is Reiner Lump. Reiner is the author of Aspire, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change No Matter Where You Are. He has been an executive at several major international corporations and turned his experience and philosophies into a very active coaching and leadership facilitation business. That's exciting, Balin. You know, I think this is our 150th episode, right? Uh, yes. Which Quite is a fantastic. Milestone. Yeah, Quite so a milestone. Of, yeah, thinking about developing and and trying to to talk about leadership and coaching, which are a couple of themes that we've talked about several times on the on the podcast. Um, I think it's an an interesting 150th. Um, but this seems like a really interesting guest. And you know, I'm always a little bit skeptical, Bela, about leadership development. Um, the research is, you know, kind of all over the place. And there's about 150 million different ways to do this. So I'm always skeptical, but but um, Reiner Lohm seems like a really interesting guest that, you know, I've, I've noticed that the last few years and I've read, um, you know, other people writing about this have brought out kind of this larger emotional variability and higher volume. And, you know, there's a lot more emotions that, that I, you know, it's attributed to COVID. I don't know, but all the stress or whatever, but so I'm, I'm kind of interested right now to kind of hear uh, what Reiner has to say about emotions and how it's related to leadership, because I think it's, it's probably really relevant and really timely right now. So what do you say? Should we get right to the interview with Reiner Lom? Yeah, <clears throat> sounds good. Let's uh, jump in and listen to my interview with Reiner. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest, Reiner Lump. He is an author and a very accomplished individual who is going to share with us what he has learned in his book called Aspire. Welcome to the podcast, Reiner. It's a pleasure to be here, Bela. Oh, well, thank you very much. So your book is about uh, seven essential emotions for leading positive change. And I, as I was paging through some of it, it, it got me to thinking that I have experienced in my career uh, leaders who have shown no emotion at all. Some leaders have shown emotion, and some of and some of those have figured out how to make that emotion very productive. And others, <laughs> that emotion was oftentimes, I'll just say, less productive. So, can you sort of talk about the big picture here a little bit? Yeah, that, that, that's a wonderful introduction in terms of your experiences with emotions. Um, the, like what, what uh, I, in my career, I have been both, I've been starting businesses and calling them into, you know, helping to call them into hundreds of millions and bi even billions of dollars of businesses. And, and that comes really only with uh, working well with people. <laughs> mobilizing people, influencing them positively, which is actually, you know, the key of leadership, right? To have sure. a vision and influence people. But what, what is it about um, in influencing people? It's really changing behavior to make the vision a reality, including starting with your own behavior as a leader. But what is what drives our behaviors? Um, there's our needs, there's our values, there's our beliefs. But one of the, the strongest drivers and maybe the, the strongest drivers of all are emotions. And we, if we want it or not, we are always in an emotional state. We are not mm. just in an emotional state of one emotion. We are typically in a mixture of emotion. 
And so mostly, maybe the people that you observed uh, in regard to emotions, they were not even aware of what emotional state they were in. They were just acting on whatever they were feeling. And some people maybe have learned over time to become aware of it and become aware of other people's emotion and, and, and use it as a leadership skill. And that's what I'm writing about in, in Aspire. So my, my, my key premise is that everybody can create positive change, no matter your listeners, no matter where they are. Uh, but in order to, 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 to create positive change, you need to create a change in behavior. You have to have a positive vision of the future, need to create change in behavior of the people influencing the behavior of people, starting with your own behavior. And in order to do that, you need to learn about emotions. You need to learn to, to understand, to feel your own emotions, to become aware of them, become aware of emotions of others and be able to shift your emotions to a, an emotion that supports the leadership behavior that you need in that moment. Yes. Yes. Very good. So can we go through in your book, you talk about seven essential yeah. emotions. Can, can we sort of just kind of go through those uh, one at a time a little bit? So what's the, what's not, yeah. what's the first one in your book? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's good to go in blocks of three. I, I found that beneficial. Oh, sure. So th this is built like a pyramid from the bottom up. So the first three are empathy, compassion, and interest. And uh, these are all emotions. These are what, what people feel. Empathy if you feel the feeling of another person, it's emotional empathy, right? And that drives caring. If I feel that you are in pain, if I feel your pain, if I'm a mentally healthy person, if I, you know, then I will care about you. Yes. But caring alone is not enough, right? For a leader, we're talking about a leadership behavior is caring is important. We know that caring organizations perform better than non-caring organizations and let's say uh, on the opposite side if people feel employees feel their leader is not caring about them they're not going to trust the leader now caring is not enough for you need also to act on your caring and that takes compassion compassion is basically the the emotion that commits you to serve the needs of the people, the, the needs of the people you care about. So for a leader, it's the stakeholders, it's the employees, it's the clients, it's the investors, uh, you know, it's uh, it's the board, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this whole complex um, construct of, of stakeholders that they really are committed to serve the needs of those people. And the third one is, is interest, which you need to understand. Interest is the emotion that keeps you trying to understand something. So a leader, mm -hmm. let's say you want to transform healthcare, you want to transform the education system, or you want to like, you know, other industries, whatever, we can take any examples. The leader needs to have a deep understanding of those issues, yeah. needs to have a, an understanding of the needs of the people, the, the possible solutions in order to innovate in that space. And that takes a sustained interest, which many leaders don't have, mm. I have observed. That's a big gap, right? So a new leader comes in, makes quickly decisions without really have, have the full picture of understanding. Yeah. Empathy, compassion, and interest build the foundation for caring, for committing to serving, to serving really the needs of the people. And the third one is under, a deep understanding. The world is complex, so we have to to put a lot of effort in, in, mm. in, in understanding the world better before we can lead to, yeah. to, to transform it. Yeah. So 
can can you give is it possible to give an example of of these three that we just talked about you know the, the words mean different things to different people so if if i don't know if you have any examples that you can sort of talk about yeah it, it, it's wonderful i mean let's just take i take an an, an an executive that i you know one of the one i i coach i coach so many but in this case um it was a, a lady that had been hired by uh, a te leading telecom company she had been put into a leadership position with a team and that team was not doing so well she she, mm. she was hired to transform that team to to higher performance to meet their goal this was a service-oriented team a customer-facing team senior people uh, all very they had the competences and the knowledge and, and her task was really to make them more effective, more successful, and meet her goals and quota and things than she had. And when I, uh, when she hired me as her coach, I was, she was about six months into the job, and she was pulling her hair. She said, "Like, I don't know. I, they're not motivated. They yeah. don't perform. You know, this, I, I can see it in the meetings and so on." And I say, "Well, tell me a little bit more about it. So, how do you view them? How do you behave them?" And she said. What do you think? Why they're not motivated? She said, "Well, they are lazy." She said. Uh -huh. <laughs> she said it was her assessment of them. Yeah. And I said, "So, what do you know about them, really?" I said, "I don't know much. I know they're paid well and they should perform well because they're paid well." <laughs> so the point here is, she didn't come in with put like cultivating her empathy, trying to understand. She didn't come in with interest in the people. She didn't. She hadn't developed any compassion for them. So they didn't trust her. Somebody put a new leader in place. I, sure. Maybe they even sabotaged her subconsciously. I don't know that. But when she once she became aware of that, what was really lacking that she didn't really understand what did what would motivate those people. What maybe possibly not just motivate would inspire them, which I come later to, which is much more powerful than extrinsic motivation. And so. So many leaders that come into a leadership position, they don't know the people they are leading and they're failing because they don't, what are the needs of the people? What do you really yes. care about? And how do I align, you know, my vision that I have for the business, for the company with the aspirations of, of my team? Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, so you said blocks of three. So we got, we got uh, four more to go. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so once the leader has built that foundation of empathy, compassion, and interest, then the next three are uh, optimism, which allows a leader to uh, to see a vision, a positive vision of the future. Without optimism, somebody or or, or relatable emotion such as hope that takes him into the future, a leader cannot yeah. create a vision, right? So that's 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 the first one. The second one is really, you know, now let's say a leader has developed a vision for the future that's really exciting and that addresses the needs and issues of the people. Then uh, it it comes to mobilize people, and that comes to inspiration. So the next emotion mm -hmm. is inspiration, and once a leader has inspired people, so let's say you are an entrepreneur, you you started a new company and startup and so on. You know, leader needs to mobilize people to to invest. To hire people, the first you know group of people, the first clients to maybe buy the prototype, you know 
product or service or yes. whatever. Yeah. And and so uh, uh, mobilization is important and in mobilization comes through inspiration. But if you have mobilized people and, and you have the, they show up and say, let's like all pull up their sleeves and say, now let's go and do something. You, see, you need to coordinate effective actions as a leader. And that takes trust. Trust yeah. as an emotion. Uh, which is one of the most complex emotions that I that I have felt because it has multiple directions and I can go into that a little bit later if you like to. Yeah. So these are the three: optimism, inspiration, and trust. They drive the ability to envision a, a, a better future. They drive the ability to mobilize people and to collaborate effectively to create effective actions towards that vision. So that this is the next block of three. Yeah. The, the, the last one, uh, uh, Bela, is actually now we know with the pandemic, we know with the unfortunate war in the Ukraine, you know, with the inflation and all these things that happen, things happen all the time. Yeah. And so you, the leader can have a wonderful plan and, and the, the people are marching all in the same direction. And so one day to the next, something happens and the plans need to change. And that's where a leader needs to be resilient, not just by him or herself but also facilitate resilience among the people the leaders leading. Mm. Okay. But what, what drives resilience from an, from an emotional perspective is positivity, which is a, not a single emotion. It's a palette of emotions. And these include some of the emotions I talked earlier about, like optimism, inspiration, interest. These are all positive emotions that a leader can cultivate, but also there's joy, there's uh, gratitude, there's hopefulness uh, and, and many, many others, ah, oh, etc. And a leader can actually, and I have, uh, me as a leader, I have practiced that, uh, you know, most of my, my career leading teams, you can tap into sources of positivity that make your team much more resilient, especially in tough times, right? And so resiliency is overcoming a setback, overcoming yeah. adversities, yes. a sudden change, something that shocks you and you, you could go into a negative spiral or your whole team could go into negativity and not be resilient, not being able to overcome it. Or the leader can choose, no, we're not going there. I'm going to, I'm going to cultivate positive emotions to make, to help everybody to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as you have coached people in the past, uh, which one of these seven do you think, uh, is there, is there one in this list of seven that that people have the most challenge with yeah yeah i would say uh, for each person it's different e each leader is, is is different i just did an exercise uh, last week with a, a group of leaders like 25 leaders all senior leaders and we went through a one-day training um about all these and then at the end i i i, I um, asked them to do an assessment and find the one they struggle most with Mm. Because that's the greatest opportunity for development where they can get the quickest turnaround. And the, the things that came up was uh, people were doing relatively well on, based on their own assessment with, let's say, empathy in this group. It might be another group, might be different with the foundations, the empathy and compassion. Some were struggling with keeping their interest on the topic, really understanding what they were talking about and, and staying interested because of the distraction that's going on and so many things in a large organization. That was one. Uh, so one leader committed, he, said he wanted to work workers work, cultivating that interest. Another one was like, uh, uh, he or she believed that in order to, 
to be an inspirational leader, you need to have charisma. So she never mm. tried to inspire people. And she said, well, I learned in this workshop, in this training that I can be inspiring even if I'm not charismatic, naturally charismatic. Yes. Right. Because there's many ways and in the book I write about those. I had different, there's different styles to inspire leaders, the, the style that fits the leader. Okay. So sometimes like I had leaders that were not like super charismatic, but the way they supported me, the way they saw my talent and, and helped me to develop that and allow me to grow and give me challenges that were just the right challenges for me for the next step that inspired me. Yes. Sometimes it was just like I'm knocking on their door and say, I, I'm stuck here. And they would pull up a chair and said, let's sit down and talk about it. Yes. And I would leave the office inspired because I could go out and take the next step. Okay. Yes. So I'm just saying, this is another one that people sometimes think, oh, I can be an inspirational leader. No, everybody can be an inspirational leader, finding their own style, how to inspire people. Uh, another one that is a big one, and that was in this group also, there was uh, uh, one, one leader, a lady, based on her history um, of oppression and about like uh, her personal, and it goes into the, the, you know, like minority issues and so on. Yes. She has said, I admit my whole life, I struggled with trust. Mm. I've been distrusting and it comes from my family history and my own personal history. Yes. And I'm still struggling today. And I now recognize today that if I'm not trusting, I'm not a good leader. I, I cannot, I cannot f foster collaboration in, in the way I should do. And that she took on and said, I'm going, I have to work on this. And then we yes. designed some exercises and so on. So these were just a few examples. I would say resilience and, and, and posi maintaining positivity is also a big one. Yes. Some people brought up. So you see, it's a little bit across the board and it is very individualistic and it's also situational. Yeah. Very nice. So, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is if I look at this list of seven, uh, many people might look at that list of seven and say, well, you have these naturally. They're, they're not an acquired skill. They're not an acquired talent. Uh, but in actuality, they are. They are something that you can develop and learn. So can you talk about that a little bit on how one can polish their skills in these areas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at first, I need to re-emphasize that emotions can be learned, okay? And uh, what makes it difficult is that we are in, in the school system or how we raised and also in the corporate world, this is not something that conventional wisdom would suggest. Like we, we're, we're, we're rational trained, right? So in the universities, in the schools, to, to sharpen our rational mind. And there's nothing bad about it, but it is it, it is not covering our whole potential, our whole capabilities. Okay, As I yeah. said before, yes. emotions are a very strong driver of our behaviors and stronger so as many other uh, of the aspects I, I shared before. Um, now, the, the it, it, research has shown that emotions can be, we can learn to shift emotions, okay? And I, I didn't believe it first either until I experienced it myself. I had to learn it myself. Now, the challenge is there's over 250 emotions, depending what experts you talk to. And you can be in a mix at any given time. So it's very hard to learn. So it's like in, learn, almost like a new la complex language or even multiple languages. So the point is, how can you learn it? First of all, I picked the ones that, that are for transformational leaders, for, for leaders that want to create 
change, mm, yes. transformational change, aspirational change, positive change. What I, I picked those emotions that from my experience have been most effective in my own leadership, be, driving the leadership behavior I needed, but also in coaching others for many years now, uh, over a decade. And uh, so I picked those one. And then each of one, each of these have different exercises that you can use in order to learn them. Okay. Very nice. Right. So, and, and, and I'm still learning. Uh, I, I tell you, this is, so this is a learning in the emotional space that never ends. Yes. Because yes. you can always fall. Something happens in life and you can fall in, you know, th there's emotions that keep us from acting towards what we want to act to. And there's emotions that drive and support the behavior. And yes. so it's, it's a question of self constantly becoming self-aware, but also aware of, the emotional state of others, especially when we lead, you might know that sometimes, you know, you, you want to lead somebody, you want to talk to somebody in an emotional state, you cannot talk to them. Right. If you try it anyway, you make the situation worse. Parents know that. <laughs> yes. It's their children, right? Kind of. <laughs> right. Parents know that. Yes, very true. But leaders right. also need to know that. Uh, so I'm saying, but you, so you can learn, you can, you can become aware and saying, oh, th this person is angry right now. Yes. I, I better don't feed the anger because otherwise you're not going to have a constructive conversation. Yes. Okay. Now, is there, let, let's just talk about that situation where let's say it is a stressful situation. Someone's angry or upset. Which one of these emotions can you utilize to sort of help diffuse? I'll use the word diffuse might not be the right word, but to help calm that situation down. I, I would, I would say uh, really um, the, 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 the bottom three empathy, compassion, and interest are very important. First of all, to really become aware of the, the, the empathy helps you become aware of oh, this person is angry and typically, and knowing, knowing a little bit about anger, anger typically comes from when somebody violates a, a value, a deep health value mm -hmm. that we have. Now, the reason why we have this political division, like in a country like the United States, but also in many other countries, and even in Germany, where I come from, or France or other places, we have that division. And people are angry. They hate each other almost like enemies. Yes. And they're both good. You know what I'm saying? It's like... The, the, the average person are good people, they have good intentions, they just have different value systems. And so they get angry because somebody else is behaving in a way that that violates their own value. So we or, have this, for, or, or forcing their values onto you. That is a, that's, that's even, you know, then people become, you know, resentful and so on. So, yeah. Yes. So, 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 so my point is to, to your question is to become aware of that saying, okay, so there's been a, a value has been violated for this person. Let me understand what is the value that has been violated right now. Yes. Right. And, and I, I find it for me, like, this is super empowering. If I can shift my own emotions, I, 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 if I don't respond to anger with my own anger or with fear, mm. to really with, 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 with a certain calmness or centeredness, and, and understanding there's something has happened there. Let me understand that better. Yeah. And I have examples in the book that are very severe, like where, where people behaved in a way they said, where such a conflict, uh, I have this example of the Ku Klux Klan, 
like um, African-American activist encountering a Ku Klux Klan member. And the way he conducted himself that helped him to have a conversation and even uh, uh, motivate or mobilize some of the Ku Klux Klan member to leave the Ku Klux Klan. Yes. If he would have acted, reacted angry, maybe even with violence, which people might have justified. They might have said there was a good reason because he, he felt threatened or whatever, but he didn't do it. He, he, he actually became curious and said, why do you hate me if you don't even know me? Yeah. That was, yes. that's, that was practicing interest. Yes. Yes. So, uh, Reiner, what was, your, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Yeah, I, I, I tell you, the, um, I, I facilitate transformation, and like innovation and transformational change. And I've been observing uh, people and, and to, in order to make change happen, you, people need to change their behavior in a sustained way. Okay. And I looked at, in, in that process, I look always, what, is, what are the barriers? What is in the way? of making that change happen. And what I noticed that there's rational reasons why people don't want to change sometimes, but they are, they can be overcome. The rational reasons you can find solutions for, the ones that were emotional barriers, the emotional, emotional obstacles yes. that were invisible, that for a regular leader, like somebody that is not knowledgeable in that space, they would overlook and they would not create the change. We hear the stories about change efforts failing and so on. And it's my observation from having been involved in many change efforts in the corporate world, in startups and so on, but also coaching uh, has been that the emotional were the biggest barriers and learning in that domain helped to make the change happen. That helped people change their behavior because it's clear, right? If somebody is resisting, um, I, give you, I want to give you an example that is very powerful. It's, I came into a coaching situation this was a leader that was successful on paper, but his boss, the CEO of the company, was uh, uh, criticizing him not being a visionary leader. Okay, and he worked his, in English, his butt off, <laughs> like yeah. you know, sixteen hours a day, even on the weekend. He put out fires of his team constantly, and and as I uh, as I got into the conversation with him, uh, I you know and heard the stories, and I listened a little bit. And there were stories of resentment. So, it, mm. so I asked him, said, are you, are you resentful? And he said, and I explained what it meant. It meant you, you tell yourself stories of victimhood. Somebody did something bad to me and it's not fair. In this yeah. case, it was his boss. Yes. And he said, yeah, I feel resentful towards my boss. And I explained to him that this is an emotion of the past. This is some, the way your mental energy stays in the past. You you're constantly ruminating about what the unfairness that has happened to you, in this case by your boss, how that is not fair and how you wished you could make it fair. You, all your energy goes into that and you cannot think about the future. So you cannot become a visionary leader. You, you cannot, it, it's a, it was a barrier to optimism. Okay, this is just one example. I can give you yes. dozens of others. Yes. So he, when this was an eye-opener for him, so he asked me then to understand this now. So how do I get out of this? How do I get out of resentment? And he said, well, you, there's no straight line from resentment to optimism. You cannot shift your emotion suddenly from resentment to optimism mm -hmm. unless you shift first to another emotion, which is acceptance. You're accepting that this was happened to you 
happened in the past and you cannot change the past. Doesn't mean you have to say it was good that this happened. You don't have to agree to it, but you can say this is something I cannot change. So ruminating on it, on the story of the past, doesn't help me. Yes. So I accept this and suddenly mental energy becomes free, emotional mm -hmm. energy becomes free to move to. So he, today, this is now a few years later, he has moved up multiple levels. He, he leads an organization of thousands of people now, and he's considered to be a visionary and inspirational leader by his people, by his uh, uh, leadership team. Yes, I know that because he also asked me to work with his leadership team. So that's why I have a little bit of consistent view of the of the story and how this evolved for us. So the emotional shift made it possible to bring out the best in him as a leader that he had all along. But this emotional barrier, in this case, resentment, kept him from maximizing his potential. Yes, yes. Very nice. So, Reiner, let me ask you one, one last question here. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Is there anything that else you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, well, the only the only thing I was thinking, people that want to learn more, uh, that are interested to, to learn more uh, in this domain and how to learn these emotional-based leadership skills or to, to identify one of those that they think might help them to move forward, to become better leaders, uh, they can find on my website, uh, reinerlomp.com. Uh, but you can also go to the Amazon uh, any in any country where Amazon is 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 distributing uh, books um, and find Aspire uh, Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change. Yes, yes, very good. And I will make sure all of that information is in the show notes so our listeners can find it there. Uh, Reiner, this has been a fabulous conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It was a pleasure, Bela. Thank you for having me. Bela, a really interesting interview. So, okay, here's the the $20 question, 20 euro question, depending on which <laughs> side of the pond you're on. Which of the seven emotions do you think are most important specifically for entrepreneurs? Or are they all kind of equal in your mind? Huh, wow, Mike, I wasn't expecting such a difficult question for our 150th episode. Sorry. <laughs> you got to give me a softball there. So uh, I got to, you know, you know what I'm going to say. It depends. Um, I, I think they're all important and they're important at different times. So there, it, it, the, it's, it's like any of these, any of these characteristics, emotions, whatever you want to call them. Um, and certain situations, one may rise to the top as being the most important, or there might be two or three that are very important in that particular instance. Uh, and that juggles around depending upon on on what's sort of going on, right? If it's a high stress situation or there's an argument between somebody, then like empathy and compassion may be really important, right? If it's a conflict situation, if it's if it's a motivational situation where you're trying to you're giving a a, a talk to an to 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 an organization, you're trying to motivate them, and 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 uh, move them forward in a different direction, then you know positivity might be more important. Or and resilience, this notion of you know we're tough, we can do this. So I think it's sort of it depends, and 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 I think the the, the important part to me, or what I took from my conversation with Reiner, is, is that all of these are important. Number one, number two, that these are skill sets that you can develop. You know, we often talk about well, there are people who are natural leaders, and and that's true, 
for whatever reasons, you know, those genes were turned on when they were born. But you can take these and you can hone them and you can you can polish them and you can you can understand what they mean and you can you can figure out when to use them uh, in in a in a in a sort of a constructive way to move the organization forward, to increase your leadership skills. So to me, that was one of the one of the important ahas in our, my conversation with him was that don't think if, well, you know, I'm just not a positive person. Well, that's a skill that you can work on. And I also find it interesting, Mike, that none of these things, at least I don't remember, ever sort of being taught in business school. <laughs> right? We talk about measurements. We talk about a whole bunch of things. But I think in most courses, they don't really talk about these sort of traits and, and these sort of uh, emotions. So, Bela, I totally agree with you that this is it's like speaking multiple foreign languages, right? That you use one language at one time with one set of people and then you have to turn around and use another language, right, in another situation. Um, so I totally like your kind of analogy to this um, this idea that you need them all at different times. Um, but we I teach, I think we do teach a little more now, certainly empathy is, there's a lot of entrepreneurship programs that have been teaching design thinking, right? Yes. Which kind of comes, um, there's a dual kind of home for this. One um, is on the West coast of the US and we look at kind of IDEO and the Stanford Design School. And then on the other side, the Hassel Plattner Institute here in Germany, um, in Potsdam, Germany, not Potsdam, New York, where you and I have spent some time together. But um, but this is where des you know a lot of the heart of design thinking has developed, as well as other parts of the world. Um, but in fact, just yesterday, I was co-teaching a class um, with my friend Daniel Braun, and um, and he's a really great teacher of empathy. And I do think empathy is something that yes, it's a it's an emotion, but it's also a skill, um, and it it. Um, it's, it kind of is one of these fundamental skills. I mean, he did talk about this as a pyramid, but I do think that this empathy definitely leads to compassion. It definitely leads to interest. It definitely leads to trust. Um, it definitely leads to resilience. Um, yeah. So I think if I had to pick my favorite, I would say it's empathy. And I would hope that every business school is teaching to some extent empathy is either part of design thinking or corporate social responsibility or ethics. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we're starting to see to see that more. I think we used to I think we used to do that, teach it, and we didn't call it empathy, right? It would be like knowing your customers or, you know what I mean, right? Business, you know, business intelligence yeah. or something like that. But, yeah. but, but we do, we need to, and, and, you know, now there's a lot of service learning too. That's the other big trend in the U.S. Um, where you go out and do these projects and these projects out in the community, right? The, the, for, as part of your, your education. Um, and, those are designed, even though they may not call it that, they're designed to bring out compassion and empathy and inspiration and positivity and all these things. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I, I, I think about it in sort of a broader context. So I agree with you that this notion of, of applying these things to help understand your customer and, and, and to sort of make sure your products and services meet their needs is important. But I also think about it from an organizational leadership perspective. And um, and um, I think here again, that's another big area that that is really important for leaders is how do you lead the organization? And these and these emotions are important in that endeavor. And I don't think we we instill in people that these are things that you can learn and polish and improve on. It's the next step. It's design. It's moving from design thinking to to leading. 
right? Using these, yes. some of these skills, which is an interesting idea. But, you know, the other thing when we talk about born versus learned, right, is then you inject this. Everybody wants people to be genuine. And if I learn something, you know, I, I'm a little skeptical of the term genuine. I mean, I get it that I have to be believable. I have to sound like like I mean what I say. But, you know, if I learn something, it's not natural to me, right? Then I don't need to learn it, right? But I think that I can do something just as well that I've learned, right, recently even, than things that I'm born with. It takes some work, but. Well, look, you know. I, I, I was, when I was born, I didn't know how to do calculus. No, I, I still don't know that. how to do calculus. And I took <laughs> courses in it. I was horrible at math. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get hung up on that. As long as what you said is true, which is genuine, right? Which, which talks about you're, you're not doing that just to manipulate individuals. Right. You're doing it because you believe in something. And it's a way of leading the organization to 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 move in that direction. Agreed. Hey, let me ask you one more question. Do you think some of these emotions are easier for people to kind of learn and gain control over? Um, is there one you'd recommend that they start with mm. to try to practice or does that depend? Oh, gosh, I, I, I don't know, because, again, em in some situations, empathy is really important. And in other situations, positivity is really important. I, I think, you know, you just, I don't know if you do them sequentially or you do them in parallel for learning, but I think you just pick one and, and sort of un try to understand what it is and then try to bring it into your daily life. Yeah, practice so it every day. Every, in every interaction, right? Think about every interaction you have. I'm at the grocery store. I'm, I'm buying something. What, what can, what, which of these can I use at the grocery store when I'm, when I'm, when I'm asking someone for help to help me find something? Yeah. Right. Agreed. And I then like I'm it. home and with, with my partner, my spouse, right. <laughs> and that, that's a whole nother, you know, podcast in itself, but there are things that you can say, Oh, okay. This is, this would be a good place for me to polish this skill because I, I'm not really understanding what's going on here. I clearly am, am, am not. Uh, have any empathy. I don't have compassion to understand what my spouse is going through here. So I need to figure out how to do that better. Yeah. So I think empathy, compassion, interest in what others are doing, being optimistic and positivity that those five are pretty easy to practice on a daily basis. Probably yeah. inspiration and trust are a little more long-term and are, are based on. So I'll go five and two. Okay. Sounds good. I'm in. Neat. All right. But interesting talk. What do you think? Time to wrap it up? Yeah, I think so, Mike. All right, listeners, thanks again from the bottom of our hearts uh, for joining us today. We we hope you found uh, the conversation with Reiner Lohm uh, interesting and thought-provoking. Um, if you've had questions about what we've discussed, as always, please feel free to get in touch with us. The best way is by email, and you can reach us at bela.and.mike at gmail.com. You know, when we started this uh, almost four years ago, Mike, I never thought we'd get to 150 episodes. No, and, people still listen, and it's not just my mother. It's really remarkable. Hi, Mom. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, our listenership has built. It's been really steady, and it's just uh, uh, really been a lot of fun doing these 150 episodes with you, and uh, I hope that we can continue this and uh, do another 150. Sounds good. I look forward to it, Bela. Yeah. So, hey, listeners, uh, if you like the podcast, tell your friends and associates about it. Uh, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting app if you haven't already. And until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you all soon.
Pela from over here in Münster, Germany, as we say, Auf Wiedersehen. Till next time.